We're back. We're back. We're back, man. Instead of pure, it is what it is, man. Mark Supreme. And Chris Kiergaard with PJStar.com. And so we are back with the State of Peoria, sponsored by State Farm Agent Aaron Kilgore, located at 3805 North Sterling Avenue, um, specializes in car, home insurance, life insurance, all the above. Get all the above if you ain't got all the above. And today in our fourth installment, we have the one and only Township Supervisor Office Candidates. And we're going to get into all that today. That's right. Our, our goal in this web series is to provide you with the information that you need to know about the candidates and the issues before you go to the polls. Early voting is open now ahead of the February 23rd primary. And we have joining us tonight, first incumbent township supervisor, Frank Abnauer, and then challenger Latrina Leary. Frank, thank you for being with us tonight. Hello. Can you hear us all right? Can you hear us? I have no sound. Hello? Uh-oh. No sound? Hmm. Hey. Hello? Try now. How's it now? Can you hear us now? I can't hear anyone. Try, try unplugging. Try unplugging. Any, is that better? We're good. Can you hear us? Can you hear us, Frank? Hello? Yeah. Oh, man. If you just now tuned in, we are uh, with Frank Abner, uh, Township Supervisor. We are going through him and uh, Latrina Leary. Uh, speaking with them about their uh, campaign for office, having some technical difficulties. We'll get to it in just a second. We're backstage in the virtual backstage trying to work it out uh, with myself and Chris Kiergaard as host. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Thank you. And as, as we work to get that resolved, uh, I'll, I'll clarify for everybody who's listening in uh, that, that this particular race appears for all of you who, when you either early vote or when you show up to the polls on February 23rd, this will appear on your Democratic ballot if you live within most of the city of Peoria. There's some parts of the city of Peoria in the northwest part and the far north part that may that it will not appear on the ballot if you're outside of, of the township boundaries. But the two candidates here, Frank Abnauer, Latrina Leary, are running as Democrats for the nomination. The primary in this race is tantamount to election because there is no Republican who is running for office. Indeed. Thanks for clearing that up. Also, uh, early voting has already started, so you don't have to wait for election day for the primary. You can go as soon as tomorrow. And I believe they're open until five o'clock over on uh, Brandywine. So you do have that option right now. Um, we're still getting the kinks word out in the backstage. Um, just had somebody say virtual vaccine. Hey, that's where we're at, man. It's it's COVID. It's virtual. Everything's <laughs> virtual. So we're working that out. Uh, we appreciate Adam in the background um, getting those uh, pieces together. Also, in the meantime, if you haven't seen any of our, our previous installments, we've already interviewed Mayor Jim Artis, uh, City Manager uh, Pat Urich, and last week we did all the District 1 candidates. So you can go view those uh, on my personal pro, uh, Facebook page. You can view those on uh, PR Journal Stars uh, Facebook page, as well as Strictly Hip Hop 90.7 FM's 
Facebook page. So um, be sure to check those out to make a not only a uh, get a clear understanding of where we're coming from, but also a clear understanding of Peoria, Illinois, and where we're going in the future, especially after we clear out these elections. Okay. And uh, actually, we're being told by our, our producer uh, that, uh, you know, since we're still having some technical difficulty uh, getting everything set with, with Frank, if uh, if we can bring Latrina on, we can go ahead and, and start with her and, and flip the order if that's all right. Okay, well, we're here. Uh, Latrina Leary, candidate for Township Supervisor of Peoria, Illinois. Uh, Latrina Leary, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Well, thank, thank you for asking. Yeah, yes. Uh, you hear Chris? I can hear her, yes. Okay. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, we appreciate you sitting uh, for this interview for the Pure Township Supervisor. Uh, before we get started, uh, you have the benefit and the burden of little name recognition, not having held previous um, office before. Um, and at the same token, you're, the office that you're running for has a little name recognition at the same time. Uh, who is Latrina Leary? Who is Latrina Leary? I am Latrina Leary. Um, I think that's a name that you're going to become very familiar with here real soon um, after the election. Um, when I become Peoria's next township supervisor um, with your votes, um, I was, I'm a lifelong resident here in Peoria, Illinois. Um, I lived on the south end of town, um, in particular in the um, Peoria housing projects um, in a single parent home um, with 10 siblings. So I am one of 11 children. Um, and so I always bring that up because um, this office means a lot to me. Um, it actually resonates very well with me because I understand hardships and I understand struggle. And so the reason why I say that this office, you know, when I bring this up, this office actually is there to help and um, assist people that are um, enduring hardships and struggles. And it's actually there to help the poorest um, of members or residents within our communities to help them to assist with them with whatever um, resources they may need. So. Why are you running for township supervisor? What, what do you deem is wrong with the way uh, the township is run currently? Um, I am running because um, as I've gotten older, or I've done, I do a lot of community service and I do a lot of um, outreach and, and, and I'm very active in my community. And the more, you know, that I am out in my community and doing things, um, I get a lot of feedback. And um, Part of that is because I want to give back to my community. There is a population within our city um, that is often um, unheard, overlooked, and over underserved. And this office is solely there just for that. And so I realized that, you know, the office used to be something totally different, and it's not the way that it used to be. And I would like to get back to that. Real quick, you mean... What do you mean it's not the office that it used to be? What do you mean by that? All right. So I'm going to give you a little bit of history. Um, this office was actually, it's been around since the early 1900s. Um, but I will go back as far as 1953. So in 1953, the office, the township um, supervisor at the time was Zach Monroe. So people of a certain age um, may, that name might resonate more with people, um, I wasn't quite familiar with it, but I know people in generation ahead of mine and so forth 
um, are very familiar with the Jack Monroe building, or that's what it was called. They didn't recall, um, call that office, the township relief. They called it the Zach Monroe. And the reason why they called it that is because that office, um, Zach Monroe actually was a township supervisor for 40 years. So from 1953 until 1993, he was a township supervisor. Um, but I do know that he he had a very good reputation and that office had a very good reputation um, for providing um, help and assistance um, to some of the poorest in our communities. Um, and then shortly after that, um, after he did 10 terms in office, um, we had uh, Joe Whalen, I believe is his name. And he was our township, well, our township supervisor um, for the remaining, for the next 24 years. So we're going back since 1953. There have only been three township supervisor. It is now 2021. And we've only had three township supervisors since, since 1953. Um, since once um, Zach Monroe, the era of Zach Monroe, once that ended, the morale of that office had kind of gone down. Um, you don't hear, actually, that's when you start hearing the least about that office. Um, the things that, you know, you would think that, you know, with someone being in office for 24 years, you would hear a lot of feedback, you know, a lot of people would know that office because, you know, this person ran in a this, that, and the other. Um, one of the things that I realized is that you can't even find information on him in this office. Um, if you do, you have to do a lot of digging. And I think that we lost that morale of what that office is supposed to be. Um, when you're there in a um, position that is supposed to help people, people should know where to go. They should know who our public officials are. Um, and so since then, you know, I think that kind of carried on into the, la the last four years um, because people still are not aware of the office unless they are connected with, um, with politics or know that that office is actually ran by a public, um, ran by a public official who is voted into office. And so your primary concern, it sounds like, is that people that are in need don't realize or have any inkling on where to get the help because the office hasn't made itself visible enough to the people in need? Correct. Or it hasn't, um, um, people aren't even aware of what services that office even does. And so I think with that being said, you know, um, I think we need to make people more aware of where they can go for resources and where they can go for help. And I don't think that is being done um, as often, or I don't think it's being done the way that, you know, it could be. Um, it's 2021. There is a lot of ways to connect with people. There are a lot of ways to, you know, get a hold of people, um, to get out information. And I think that, you know, there's no reason for this office to have the limited amount of um, um, communication with those who need help. Talk, talk about what, what you would do differently within the budget that you've got to improve that, that outreach. What, what should the township supervisor or the office itself be doing specifically that it's not doing now? Um, well, first and foremost, um, one of the things that I think that the office should be doing is being more involved in our communities. Um, I don't think that, you know, we are seeing, and we're even lacking that in just regular other offices as well, is that um, public officials, when you're a public official, you are there to serve the public. And that that in itself. And so um, 
we're not getting involved or getting out there in the public um, with this community that we're serving. And so I think we're lacking that. Um, I think this office has been utilized as a more of a nine to five. So it's just like, you know, we can help you during those hours and you won't see me again till Monday. Um, I think that, you know, with taxpaying dollars, you know, we're paying our tax tax taxes and we should be seeing more of our public servants in the office. Um, I think we should also be able to be creative in how we are um, reaching out to the, the um, residents, um, collaborating more with things that are going on with other um, organizations in our community. I think that would be vital as well. And so, you know, you won't just see me in my office or, you know, at the township relief office, but you can also, you know, see me, you know, show up for, you know, a community event. You know, I don't think that's too hard to ask, you know. Um, you may see me be more interactive in social media. Um, so that way people know that, you know, I'm still looking out for you. I'm still there for you. Um, and that right there in itself does not cost you any additional dollars. Um, as far as the budget goes, um, right now, I think that the budget is kind of the hot topic in this office. Um, right now, I, what I've been noticing is that the budget has been lowered um, little by little each year, but you, but you don't see that the, um, the request for help um, lowering at all, especially with the, um, the hit of COVID, you've been seeing a lot more people um, getting out and, and, and reaching out to try to find help or assistance because they've lost their jobs or been displaced or you know various reasons. And so those are just some of the things, you know, in a nutshell, I feel that you know, could be done and it doesn't cost um, a lot. Right now, I think with the budget that we have, I think that it just shouldn't be lowered. Um, there isn't a little bit of a surplus in that office, so we should be utilizing um, the resources that we have to help people, um, help as many people as we, we can. But with that being said, I don't want people to be um, under the illusion that I am going to go into office and just completely, you know, you know, utilize all of the funds and misuse it. You do have to be fiscally responsible while doing it as well. Okay, I, I want to ask you a, a philosophical question about this office too, which, which fundamentally boils down to this: Should this office exist as an elective office? If if the job is to provide those resources, that assistance to the people who are in the greatest need in the community. Why does that need a, a separate elected official, a separate government entity making you know a, a substantial amount of, of pay to do so rather than, than being consolidated and simply running those operations out of city government rather than, than township government? What, what's, what's the value in having an elected official in that position rather than somebody appointed? Okay, well, you pointed out two very good things. Um, the first reason, uh, first thing first, we should have this office as an elected official. I think that taxpayers are paying their tax dollars, so they should be able to have a voice in how the money is utilized in that office. Um, but that only works if we are getting the right people in that office and utilizing those funds properly. Um, I do not believe that, I do not think that we should um, combine the township with the regular city funds. Um, you guys been doing, you know, a lot of interviews and we've realized that one of the, the hot topics is that um, the city has a deficit. 
And so I feel that, you know, if we were to lump some lump in there, we would just kind of get lost. I think that the city has a lot going on right now that it needs to get its ducks in a row before they can tackle anything else. And the township right um, alone has basically has the ability to help um, a group of people to focus on that. And I don't think that we need to change that at all. Okay. And and what about the, the pay for the position, Re- recognizing that that's already been set for the next four years. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like given what the office does, the number of staff in in the office that are, are there, that being paid $96,000 a year is an appropriate amount for this? Or do you think that, that the salary should be greater, less? Um, I think the salary, the salary actually, um, and this is even before, you know, uh, my opponent actually entered the race. That salary had been set with, um, I believe it was increased to that amount while Joe Whalen was in office. Mm-hmm. So, as I mentioned before, and, and you know, I, I don't have a lot of resources to, you know, to tell you, you know, what was going on in the office. Um, it's kind of hard to track to see what was going on in that office to say, you know, hey, this, that and the other was going on in this office. And so we deserve X amount of money. But I do believe if you apply yourself and utilize your resources and utilize that office to its fullest potential, um, it is worth that amount of money. But like I said, we have to see it. The the residents have to see it. Um, the constituents who are voting for, you know, paying their taxes need to see it. And so, you know, as long as as long as the township supervisor is serving this position to the fullest potential, um, I don't think that there is an um I, I mean, I don't think there's a reason to increase it, but um, I think that it's okay where it's at. I just, we just have to see where the money is being, you know, what we're putting this money to. Uh, you mentioned earlier, general assistance to the needy serves as uh, the township's primary responsibility. How do you plan to identify the people that need these resources? Or how, how does one do that? Um, well, with the, um, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, you got a little choppy in the end. Um, yeah, no, no problem. Uh, so general assistance uh, to uh, those in need serves as the township's primary responsibility. You mentioned being more visible and everything, but how do you plan to identify the people that need these resources the most? Oh, simple. Um, there's people that, you know, well, first and foremost, um, I will say that, you know, there's two zip codes within town, within the, the city limits that, um, this office utilizes a lot of their res- or allocates a lot of their resources too. So we're talking um, 61605 and 61603. Um, just go in those areas. That's not hard to you know find you know who needs the help. Now they do have to reach out and come to the office um, to set up a meeting or call and set up a meeting um, to utilize the resources. But when I when I say being out in the the, um, the community. I'm talking about just community events, just letting people know that you're care, just letting people know that you're aware that you are there to the, to assist them. Um, just to, you know, word of mouth is, it, it doesn't cost anything to, you know, inform people about, you know, hey, I'm at, you know, this particular, you know, um, um, organization, nonprofit organization, you know, helping out or, you know, reaching out, you know, if you guys need anything, you know, here's some, you know, uh, literature on, you know, let us know. And I know a lot of people are referred there too from other nonprofit organizations. 
Do you have any, uh, and of course you're not uh, in office at the moment, but do you have any system or ideal system that you would like to set up? Uh, I know when it comes to, uh, people mention it all the time when it comes to, I mean, name an organization, St. Jude, Salvation Army, anything that you, any information that you see on TV, uh, people are willing to give the money and people get the money donated, but then it's the, it's the implementation of said money and said services that sometimes falls short. Um, obviously, we uh, the the township isn't operating from last I checked and from any deficit, any real deficit. But even with those resources, how do we get them straight to the people outside of being visible and letting people know that they can call? Um, to be honest, I mean, and we could we could actually, you know, like like I said, utilizing um, social media. Social media has a huge platform on getting the word out and getting people informed about things. And you know, if someone in need may not hear it, someone that may know, you know, may see it and you know refer someone else to that. Um, there was another part of that question that you oh you were talking about the um, um, St. Jude and whatnot. Um, the township actually works, um, correlates with the, or works in conjunction with helping out the um, Heartland Clinic. And it also um, helps out with the uh, Center for Prevention and Abuse. And so, you know, um, they have a relationship with that, that, you know, the people that utilize the social service can, you know, find out if they qualify for some of the resources we have available to assist them there in the township. Thank you. And before we get Kristen here, um, you mentioned uh, one thing that you would want to do is be a more visible township supervisor. Uh, but when it comes to the way that the office is run currently, do you feel like those resources are uh, are not really getting to the citizens that need them most? Do you think that uh, that there are that there's a demographic out there that might be getting uh, short sighted when it comes to those resources? Does that question make sense? Um, well, I'll say this. I, I The office is helping people but I feel like the office has potential to help more. Um, I'll just use this as an example. Um, our budget, or not our, because it wasn't my budget. Um, the budget was decreased uh, $41,000 in the last year um, for this, this fiscal year. And I was looking at that and I, I thought that was a little peculiar. Um, first and foremost, we have the hit of COVID. So anybody, if, that knows anybody knows that COVID affected all of us. Hence why we're sitting here doing this um, interview over Zoom. Um, also, you know, $41,000 may not sound like a lot of money, but when you look at that, you're talking about the difference between, um, let's say the emergency assistance, you're talking about 68 families that could have been affected, that could have utilized that money. You're talking about 102 single parent uh, or single um, um, homes that you know, there's one person living there. That those those resources could have been allocated to. So we have potential to help more people. So the, it's not like the office isn't helping people; they are. But I feel that it has potential to help more. Okay. What what other either not for profit agencies out there or or other other community groups do you think? really need to be added into the outreach that, that the office already does. You, you cited a couple of, of major ones in, in the community that, that the outreach is done with already to help connect people who need the services to get the services. What, what other ones do you think ought to, ought to be reached out to or, or incorporated into that work? Um, well, I think that you can utilize any of them all of them. Um, you may not be able to allocate funds to them, but you. What the way that I envision the office is working cohesively 
with other networks and they currently are. I do know that, you know, um, with the general assistance, you do require um, some of the programs of people that are able to work or they are required to um, do community service. And one of those things um, that they do is um, a GED program. And so, you know, the township is, you know, correlates with, you know, a GED program. Um, I, I'm pretty sure there's other, you know, like networking that you may utilize, but they don't, we don't really work cohesively with them, the other organizations. And so, I mean, like, to be honest, you can work with any of them. Okay. Uh, another, another big issue that's, that's been in the news with the township office in particular is the actual physical office, okay. which, it, as you know, there, there's been discussion about a new location that they're moving to at the top of Main Street Hill rather than than being downtown, uh, just, just down the street from the old ICC building there. What do you think about, about that move, since if you're elected, you would be inheriting new office space as well as, as the office itself? Well, um, with that being said, the ball has already been rolling. Mm -hmm. um, it has been approved. Actually, just last night, um, the contractors have been approved through the um, the board of trustees. Mm -hmm. So there's really nothing that you know I can say it is where it is. It's going to be at 427 uh, Main Street. Mm -hmm. um, so there's nothing you can change about that. There are some um, renovations that will be taking place in that um, location just to get it on to par um, to get that office up and running. Is it what I'm what I'm asking though? Is does does that move make sense? Is that a a better place for it? You know on on the bluff closer to the neighborhoods did it make more sense to have it be downtown even though the decision has has been made i'm asking your opinion on that decision um well i think the move was necessary um i think the move was long overdue i think that you know we should have seen this a long time ago but we're seeing it now um i don't i think that the location is okay so i'm okay with the location there are some kinks um, with the, about the location that I'm a little apprehensive about just because um, upon the approval of purchasing this location, there were a lot of unanswered questions that I felt should have been answered um, at the time that, you know, um, in a couple of months ago in the city hall meeting that they approved of the mm -hmm. purchase of this place. And so what I mean by that, just to go in a little bit of detail, is um, the location that it will be currently moved to, it does allow parking. So that way you're not doing, you know, wor worried about the hustle and bustle of downtown. Um, but we will be only utilizing only half of that building um, and renovating only half of that building. And it has not been approved or no one really knows or has a set plan of how to utilize the other portion of the, um, of the, of the building. And my thing is, is that, you know, the township is paying for the whole thing. So we need to figure out a way to use that collectively, whether there's another nonprofit in there um, that we can work directly side by side with. Um, there are some um, some kinks in there that they have, you know, that has to be set in stone as far as, you know, statues, uh, laws and whatnot that have to be that we have to abide by as well. And so there was a lot of um, unanswered questions about that. But you know, the city was okay to just roll with it and then figure it out later. So I'm a little apprehensive about that. But you know what? That gives us an opportunity to, you know, as I said, with this office, you can do a whole lot more with it. And we can potentially, you know, um, utilize, do that. I mean, with that being, with that part of the office being um, open, um, that means that we have to be open to ideas to, um, um, 
use that, utilize that office to its fullest potential. Okay. There, there have been some other townships in the region, and I'm, I'm thinking of Pekin Township in particular, that has gone out and solicited or received donations from outside entities. Some, sometimes it's a, a political figure. Sometimes it, it's other groups beyond that. And, and they run other programs that, that don't have to do necessarily with, with township relief funds. Uh, they run a, a Thanksgiving meal. They run a, a Christmas meal for seniors and, and the needy. Is, is that the kind of thing that, that Peoria ought to be doing or, or should it stick to the fundamentals of of using all of its effort and staffing and energy for for the single purpose that, that it's got in front of it? I'm glad you asked that question. Um, I actually uh, thought about that as well. And so what I did was I looked into other townships just to see ways that we can, you know, magnify our impact on the community as well, as far as helping people. Um, there were certain things that were um, um, created to, to try to help um, the, the community, essentially. Um, there's some um, townships that provide, uh, that have toiletries on hand rather than, you know, here in Peoria. Uh, with our township, we provide a voucher to receive, um, to get those toiletries. Um, there's also a community bulletin board. I think that's a magnificent idea. You know, why not have a bulletin board that anybody can come in, whether you are able to utilize that, the resources of the township, or you just need help and you do not qualify for those, the resources that, you know, the township has to offer because you don't meet the requirements. With that, that bulletin, bulletin board, we can utilize that to, um, to, you know, things that are going on in the community, things that, you know, that they can probably reach out to. Um, I think that's an excellent idea, and that's another way to, you know, to be in tune with the rest of the community. Um, I've also seen um, that, you know, around wintertime, there are some townships that collect blankets to keep warm. And, you know, we're, we're talking like little things that we can do that can actually impact the community more than we can imagine. And I think I don't see why that wouldn't be possible. You uh, you kind of touched this uh, touched on this a little bit, uh, but I kind of want you to expound on it. Um, uh, Peoria City, uh, Peoria Township, obviously isn't the city of Peoria. Uh, sometimes people group it in, just like people you know want to see what a mayor is going to do about District One Hundred and Fifty or Peoria Public Schools at the same time. But at the same time, we're all within you know in the same community. So, with regards to uh, the state of uh, the Peoria is in the twenty four seven article and everything that comes along with it, obviously the twenty four seven article. Uh, mentioned 61605 area code by name. Uh, what do you intend to do to, or how do you intend to work alongside city officials to help push PR forward as a whole? Um, well, for one, you know, to, I think that, you know, with the, the period, the city hall, I don't think, I think they kind of leave it hands off. They kind of step away. They feel that, you know, the township is doing their thing. The township is okay. The township isn't having any struggle. But what I think that because of that, you know, they're not as in tune or aware of some of the details of what's going on in the township or, you know, just kind of, you know, building a better relationship with the township. Um, as a, you mentioned, 61605, that's a hot topic right now in this um, election. And why is that? Why is that? We have um, uh, the township, you know, it helps people with little to no income, right? And, you know, if you look at the, the, the data, you know, in, in 616, 61605 alone, um, the data, when you look at it, you know, 
the average um, gross income is $23,000 a year. This is pre-tax. And so, you know, so you know that the, the issues are there, the poverty level is there, but we need to be paying more attention to that. I don't, I don't see why, you know, the township is not more active in those parts of town that could potentially help people. Um, but yeah, I, I think that, you know, the city hall in conjunction with the, um, with the township need to be working cohesively to see what can we do to help, you know, this part of town, you know, because it has quite a reputation and it's not a good one and we need to change that. A lot of people blame the 24 seven article directly on city hall, directly on the mayor, directly on the city manager. But with the task that the uh, township supervisor is charged to carry out, would you uh, would you surmise that that 24 seven article in the place where Peoria is just currently at the moment with regard to uh, that zip code? Do you feel the uh, township supervisor office is in part to blame for the uh, the overall look of the city? I don't think that it's the overall blame. Um, for the the overall look on the city because the township actually doesn't make any actual executive decisions about what's being brought into those communities. The only thing that the township is there to do is to provide assistance for those who need it. And so they have no say on, you know, the roads and, and the infrastructure and all of that. They have no say in that. The only thing is, is that what I want to do is to make sure that, you know, that office is being utilized to help people that need help. Um, I don't know. I know that, you know, two thirds of, of the people that utilize this office are in the 61603 and the 61605 zip code. Um, so we know that, you know, those are the people that need help. But I think that, you know, I don't think that the township is to blame as to why other government officials, local government officials are making the decisions. But I do think that the, ta the township can intervene to be more engaged in the community. Um, but, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> It's been reported by a variety of outlets, not only from Pure, but statewide, nationwide, that uh, black and brown people are the people most um, at risk and more, most susceptible to COVID, dying from COVID, getting infected, everything like that. Um, what, if anything, do you think the office can do to help mitigate that uh, those effects on that community? Um, well, in those communities, I think that, you know, one thing that when COVID first hit, um, you heard everybody saying things about, you know, we're in this together, you know, trying to keep the morale up when we all know that, you know, we didn't know what was going on and what was going to, what was, what the actual uh, uh, pandemic had in store for us or how it would affect us. Um, one of the things that I did realize is that um, we didn't hear anything. Um, from my understanding, there was a COVID relief program. Um, I'm not exactly sure where, um, how that came about, but it, I mean, according to our township supervisor, there was a COVID relief program that was there to help and assist. The only thing about that is, is that how, we, how do we go about the outreach on that? How do we inform people about, you know, that that assistance was there? We should have done a better job at letting, you know, people who needed help that, you know, hey, you know, the township is here and we have this program. Um, to my understanding, there were about 80, 80 residents that was able to, um, to receive assistance, um, but how do you qualify? What are the qualifications for that? And things of that nature, that wasn't completely addressed. And so, you know, there could have been other people that could potentially utilize those resources. 
And before Chris gets in here, I want to let everybody know that's watching. We appreciate you watching. If you have any questions, get them in the comments, and we're going to uh, touch those right before we get into the lightning round. So if you got some questions, uh, definitely make them in the comments. Mm -hmm. Took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, I, the, the members of the city council are also, by law, the members of the township board. So are, are the existing city council members adequately engaged with the needs of the township, taking part themselves in outreach to direct people in need to the township? Are, are there things, if you're elected, that, that you would try to get those members of the town board to do more than they are doing now? Um, that's a very good question as well. Um, I do believe that the board of trustees should be um, more involved as well. You know, there's more than, you know, just making a an executive decision, yay or nay, you know, I'm okay with this and I'm okay with, the, I'm not okay with that. Um, I think that we should be getting more feedback from them and more ideas from them. Um, so I think that they should be more utilizing a more hands-on approach as well um, with the township for those who are a part of the board of trustees. Okay. And I'll remind our listeners that they are also paid to be members of the Township Board of Trustees as well as members of the City Council. You vote them in for both because of, of the way Illinois law works. So how, how would you go about working with, with 11 different egos there to get them more involved in, in township affairs? Well, you know what? This That question, I feel that that is a... Um, a voter's question. Uh, when we get elected official, and you know, in here, you know, we 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 want the the best person for the job. Um, I do think that we do need to hold them all accountable for doing the job that they're supposed to do. Um, as far as working cohesively, you know, everybody has different personalities. Everyone, you know, works a separate way. So, you know, getting to know them on a personal level, um, just to get some of their ideas of what they have done or what they can do or what they can potentially do. Um, I think that, you know, just building a relationship um, with them and, you know, keeping each other informed on ways that we can improve the um, township um, will be the best approach. And so, you know, like I said, everybody's not the same, but and everyone has different ideas. But, you know, we take, you know, all of the, all of our ideas and put it together. And I think that, you know, we can come up with some great things if we work cohesively together. Okay. I'm going to toss it back to, to Mark for any of the, the questions that we have in the live and then uh, to move on to the lightning round from there. I'm not seeing any questions in the live. Um, but we can move on to lightning round, uh, given that we are at uh, almost 40 minutes. Um, if anybody uh, throws in anything, we can get on the back end. Um, this is, I mean, this is almost an introduction for a lot of people for township supervisor at the same time. Um, but so we'll jump into the lightning round. So what this is, Latrina, if you've watched any of the previous ones, um, it's rapid fire question asking and answering. It's either or or it's just head on. Just uh, just answer the question. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. All right, so I'm going to give you a minute and a half. And of course, uh, this lightning round is sponsored by McCall Law Offices, located at 1225 North North Street, where they focus on personal injury, family law, and criminal defense. You can call for a consultation at 309-948-5908. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm going to volume up. Hold on so you can hear this buzzer. Okay, boom. Jagged Edge or Jodeci? Oh, uh... 
Jagged Edge. The Beach or the Mountains? Beach. Apple or Android? Apple. Flats or drums? Oh, flats. Ugh, I hate drums. Old Mall or New Mall? Old Mall. Heels or sneakers? Sneakers. Mariah Carey, Janet Jackson? Janet. Jay-Z or Nas? Oh, oh, Nas. Wine or whiskey? Neither, I don't drink. <laughs> Xbox or PlayStation? Oh, neither, I don't play games. <laughs> Favorite local restaurant? Um, um, Rum Burgers, I just had some the other day. <laughs> NBA or NFL? NBA. Math or science? Uh, math. Red or blue? Blue. Favorite movie? Oh, um, oh goodness, <laughs> coming to America. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite street to drive down in Peoria. I'm sorry. Favorite street to drive down in Peoria. All of them. Okay, you know what? I'm, I'm going to put it. Let's do. Let's do. Let's do university. Who do you endorse for mayor? Um, the best candidate for the job because I know they'll get it done. And you get you beat it with two seconds left to go. You ain't gonna give us a. Uh, me and Chris are like we're we're over six four. now on mayor. One for four. We only one, you're, you're right. The only person that answered. question was the mayor. So I mean that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, for being with us today. We we really appreciate it. Well, uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you guys utilizing your prep platform and letting me, you know, let people, you know, get to know who Latrina is. Definitely. Definitely. Thanks for coming on. And we're going to bid you farewell and bring Frank on. Frank, thanks for, uh, thanks for being with us. Uh, thanks for, for being patient as we, we flopped the order to, to resolve our, our technical difficulties here. Can we hear him? Can we hear him? <laughs> Can you hear me? We can hear him. Okay. Oh, yeah. I know I'm beginning to wonder about these guys. Last one I did, I was uh, jacked out too on the technical difficulties, but you know, I'm, all, I'm good to roll. It, we'll it's a, it's a Zoom world. We'll oh, just send hey. that over to you. That's all right. We're ready to roll. <laughs> okay. Good. 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 Well, again, appreciate you being with us on tonight and uh, and taking some time out to. Um, not only address who you are, but address what the uh, uh, city township for the township manager is, or township supervisor. I'm getting I'm myself. Um, so I look. I'll let you start it off. I'll let you start off. What the heck is a township supervisor, and why should voters allow you to keep serving in that capacity? Well, that's a great question, but really, more importantly, what is it? Is who is it? The township supervisor. Their role and my role is, I am the CEO and the CFO of the township. And the township encompasses an awful lot. It's much more than just township relief. The township consists of a, a clerk's budget, a collector's budget, and the most importantly, as well as my job, this, the township assessor. The township assessor side is responsible for over 44,000 parcels of real estate in Peoria. And that's a big part of the township budget and office as well. And the township supervisor's main job is the CEO and you oversee the budget and the finances, you're responsible for all the money that goes through the township, as well as overseeing the township relief side. So there's really a lot of tentacles to this job. It's not just handing out, uh, helping those in need. There's much more to it. 
is that the mo- the main focus of the job though? Isn't that helping those in need the main focus of the position? That is, I have case two great caseworkers who I oversee on a daily basis, but the township supervisor's job by law under definition. See, there's a, there's a lot of state statutes and the code of conduct in the township reads the township supervisor is the CEO and CFO of the township. So you do oversee all the finances and when the auditing and you're audited every year and if there's any discrepancies in that, the township supervisor's neck is on the line. So that's a big responsibility to make sure that all the funds coming in and out of the township are handled properly. And the, my second tentacle and the other main part is distributing and overseeing funds to the chronically needy. And, and I hate to be the dead horse, but uh, yeah. for people that don't understand uh, the position, what percentage would you say is about uh, serving those in need um, is for, with regard to uh, what your job entails? Well, on the township relief side, 100% of the clients who come in our office are in, in need of something. No, I get that. But what percentage of your job? Because you, you mentioned there's oh, a lot of tentacles. Right. What position would you how, what percentage would you say I is serving those? I probably split my duties right down the middle. 50 percent on the township, on the budgeting and meetings. I have to go to council meetings once a month and I'm in budget meetings. And and 50 percent of my time is spent solely on working with other agencies. And I think the township supervisor, since I've taken it over, we have. This office has much more awareness as it's ever had. Um, I don't know how long, why there's a misconception that there's no engagement. I can name, we, we are more engaged now with all the social service agencies in Peoria, from uh, Peoria County Health Department to Prairie State Legal, the Phoenix House. I work with uh, Friendship House, Neighborhood House, Dream Center. I work with Jolt. We do a lot with the homeless. Um, I, I know every agency in town on a personal basis. My first year I spent going to every agency in town, introducing myself, making that connection. These agencies now, there's a Hope Network. It's a whole network of all the agencies on one email thread. Um, we're a very big part of that. So they are all so grateful. They've never, they had no help from the township. Now we help an awful lot of clients through, especially Prairie State Legal, and a lot with the uh, homeless population and the chronic needy. We do a lot with PHA. So contrary to what some would believe, the actual helping needy in that position is only about 50% of the position. That's a, it's a part of it, yeah. Okay. It's, it's hard to say because, you know, your time, sometimes I'll spend all month on, on the township relief side, and then sometimes I'll spend weeks on the budget. And why do you want to keep serving in that capacity? Do you have unfinished business? Uh, do you just like the job? Uh, it pays pretty good, obviously, but wh- why, why do you want to stay there? I want to stay there because I've, I've started a mission and I want to see it put through. I have a great need. I have a moral, I think as a human being, I have a moral obligation to help people. I was in business for myself for years and we did great at it. I, I hired a lot of people. We've mentored a lot of people. This is a great transition for me. Um, I think we all have a moral obligation as well as a financial obligation to citizens to do the best we can. I happen to have an estate in my life that um, I have sold my business and I think I'm, I'm good at this job. I like what I do. And I think I make a big impact on people's lives every day. I, I know a lot of our clients who we've helped get jobs. I've, I've gone to their house. I've taken them to job fairs, taken them to people I know to try and get them employed. So um, it, it's just something I think I'm good at doing. And you mentioned that you wanted to see it through. Is there a particular project or a certain point where that you want to hit to where you can sit back and say, okay, 
I did it. I, I did my thing. Yeah, I'd like to. We just, um, I'm sure you mentioned earlier, we had purchased a building and I'd like to f- see this through. And it's very exciting to me. And uh, there's a lot of things going on there. And I don't know, I'll get into that later, I'm sure. Or if you want to get into it now. But yeah, I want to fill that. I've got some uh, projects I'm working on with agencies that I think we can expand upon. We're looking to do a new, a couple of new programs. Uh, so you just, and you have to go through the hoops and the rules and the regulations. There's a lot of, we're mandated by the state more than most any other uh, agencies. So, so talk about some of those programs that, that you want to want to either expand or, or do more on. Well, you know, like our general assistance program, there's, it's uh, interesting how the general assistance program is for the chronic needy. And there, there's a lot of criteria. I don't think people quite understand. You can't just open up and help everybody who walks in. There's, the state has mandated criteria that has to be met in order to help them. So we're trying to expand in other areas around that so we can help other groups. Uh, we've started some emergency programs with eyewear and water programs. And we, we did it during COVID. We threw an extra $50,000 that we had Uh, gotten out of our reserve budget that we put in and helped 80 or so over 80 people with rental assistance. And we just, um, I applied for a, it was under the cures program to get that money reimbursed because we use it and they reimbursed some of that money to us. So we're throwing that right back in starting in February onto assisting. We'll be able to assist another 30 to 40 families with rental assistance. I want to get into this new building and I want to start, um, some other programs that we have to work through the trustees. Uh, you can't, I can make suggestions. The trustees have to approve them. Uh, I would like to look at the township getting into probably, I think there's a great void for low to moderate income seniors. They have nowhere to go. If you're a, a, a low income or moderate income senior, uh, you have nowhere, to, you can't afford a health club. This new building we're in, there's a lot of space there. Um, I've worked with some organizations who are very interested. They will take care of the renovations. They will pay the utilities. Uh, we can join forces. Now, there are other agencies. We can't just choose one. I have to put out a flyer and offer it to everyone. So we're going to have an application and, and see what organization will best fit. But um, I think this new building is going to create so many more opportunities for our clients and the assessor side. The assessor has a big group. And I, I don't like to speak for him because I don't know his, you know, I don't get into his department that much, but his clients, which are, you know, anyone who owns a home and they need, they need a, a, a tax freeze on their real estate tax freeze or a homestead exemption. This will be much easier for them to get into. And it'll be able to expand our, we have, we are so tight in this building we're in. I don't like having crowds in, in our building right now because of the situation we're in the pandemic. We are so cramped for space. I, we can't, we're going to have a classroom here that's going to help with computers so our clients no longer have to pick up an application and go to the library and use a computer. They can use it here. My, cl- my caseworkers will help them fill out their application and do all the diligence to make it easier on them to qualify for this program. Okay. Uh, about, about the outreach portion of, of that, uh, particularly with the, the social service agencies that you work yeah. with, with the availability for the, the extra funds that you're able to, to plow in through the Cures Act reimbursement, uh, right back into helping another, another round of people. Mm-hmm. 
what what sort of ways have you done the outreach to let people know about that? And and what other ways do you think can can maybe be innovated in another term to try to improve or extend that outreach? Well, when I first walked in this office, the the culture was we don't want anybody to know what we're doing, you know, keep a low profile, just do our job and go home. Chris, you may know me from years, you know, I'm a high personality. I, I owned a restaurant. I'm very engaged in this community. You don't run a successful restaurant without getting to know people and, and getting involved in your community. I did that for over 30 years. I took that same philosophy into this office. I went and met with every agency in Peoria from PHA, Dream Center, um, the Phoenix Homeless Program, Jolt, the Friendship House, the Neighborhood House. I went to the United Way 211 Network. Uh, I met with the Human Service Center, every agency, Center on Aging, in person, sat down, took a half hour of each director's time. They were gracious enough. They all thanked me and said they never knew about the township. Fast forward three years later, we are on a daily basis. We work with some agency and helping individuals. We don't have a lot of people come in our office. You know, there are uh, other townships that do things differently, but I we're so crammed for space especially during the pandemic, we would just assume help other agencies get their needs to, to the clients who are in need. Okay. So it, it, it's more working with them than it is trying to do direct outreach through to individuals to let them right. know what services are available. Yeah. I have two staff members and myself, my, my two caseworkers handle all the cases and I make all the contacts. I, I go do more in, I've done more in-house uh, especially during the pandemic, I will drive to clients' house, fill out their applications if they can't get in or there's a need. And I've probably done more in-house applications this year than ever or in the last year. Okay. I, but before I hand it back, I, I want to ask you, because you you made reference to the new building and and the additional space there, the, the opportunity for, for mm -hmm. more access and more programming. Uh, it, beyond that, why is, is that space that building better than than the space you're in downtown uh, and you know, it, it seems like downtown is a, a pretty central location okay i'm going to try to be delicate about this because it's <laughs> the politic it, it's a kind of a this can get a little dicey here mm -hmm. we've been in this building we're at downtown our rent is twenty eight hundred dollars a month mm -hmm. we have to pay $350 a month for parking. That's about $42,000 a year we pay. We had money in our reserves and the money in the reserves were in no way earmarked for clients. You could not use that money if you wanted to because of the statutes and the way the budget is, is arranged. You could not use that. You can't just take that money out and give it and hand it out. Those were cash reserves. And I felt we had too big of a cash reserve on hands. So my theory was we have this money. It's not going to cost the taxpayers anything. In fact, it's going to save them $42,000 a year because where do you get your money to do this? We have to levy the taxpayer. We have to charge them on their tax bill. So I thought we have this money. We're going to buy this building. We'll wipe out our entire monthly debt. So we bought this building. We saved the taxpayers money. We got a bigger space. We're going to have more services, much more room. It's a win-win. 
That's why I think this building is a, it was a tremendous move. Okay. Uh, I, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I, I do want to ask one, one thing about it that I, I, I've seen a number of people point out on, on social media, uh, which is that it's, it's got convenience because of access to bus routes. And bear with me because it, it's a, a longer question, but it, it seems to me that, that being a block and a half away from the bus station now where all the buses come in, whether from, from the northwest part of town or, or the south end or the east bluff, you know, right. block and a half walk from there, but there's only two bus routes that pass by along Main Street. So if, if I'm somebody who has to take the bus to get to you, Aren't I now going to have to ride the bus downtown, transfer to another bus, ride a different bus up to, to West Main in order to get to you? Probably. But, you know, it's not just about the township relief side. It's also about the assessor side. Okay. The assessor deals with 44,000 parcels. You, it's a balance of the whole office together. So every property owner who owns real estate and they need to come see the assessor this was the worst building for them. The parking was horrible. Um, and my clients, a lot of my clients drive too. We, we do a lot of our clients drive. We do over a hundred emergency clients a month, you know, to help with Amron and water and housing and other things. But our general assistance clients, it may be, we offer bus passes. We are working on some other ways to make it easier for those to get up to our office. But there's always going to be gains and losses whenever you make a move. Um, I can tell, I can, there's a lot of people who are so excited because the accessibility to this building is so much better. The visibility, we have so many people who walk right by our building who cut off the, but they can't, they don't even know where we're at. So I couldn't find it the first time I tried to come down. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Uh, you you uh, you mentioned uh, the the work done as an assessor and what well, people that need to see the assessor and things like that. It seems like that side of the job, people that need help or need to see you or see your staff, they they typically know what's going on. They know what they need to do. They know how to access you. Um, it's a matter of getting to the building, uh, whether it be downtown or on Main Street. But the people that um, that need the resources sometimes are at. Uh, have less ability to contact or even know where to go versus the people that needed to see the assessor. And when it comes to helping those individuals in need, uh, cause from what I understand about the position uh, it's, you know, it's, it's principal responsibility is, is helping people. Um, and you mentioned a variety of agencies that you have worked with that you've reached mm -hmm. out to center and things like that. But outside of the agencies, which again, you're talking about the people that lack of a better term, know what's going on, know where to get resources, know where to get things, know how to contact people. How do you manage to keep a, uh, a thumb on the pulse or a finger on the pulse with, uh, with regards to the actual community that these agencies are helping? Well, I... Or do you feel like you have a handle on the actual individual people, the households that the agencies are, are tasked with uh, assisting? I think I'm engaged pretty well in this community. I, I walk out, I, I will pick up the phone. I talk to clients who can't get in. I go to agencies and meet individuals. Um, I speak to a lot of groups. I am not one. I don't, I've got a lot of, well, it's, I, I don't know how else to engage it, but I'm, I'm well known in this community. I get out, I deal with the Dream Center quite a bit. I'm down there working with clients because they have a big homeless population. 
I will work with PHA when they have uh, clients who need to relocate and they're they're having trouble. Um, I just if there if someone calls, I will drop whatever I'm doing and go and, and visit with them and meet that client. Um, I just I don't know. I think I've got a pretty good handle on it. You know, I don't. You're always going to have disgruntled individuals. You know, I think that's no matter what you do, no matter how well of a job you do, there's always someone who's somebody or someone is not going to be happy because unfortunately in this business, you have to tell someone no every now and then because the criteria that is needed doesn't always get filled out. And, you know, the township relief comes with some responsibility of filling out some paperwork and it's minimal as it is. And we try to make it as minimal as it is. There are certain state statutes we are mandated to have, and I cannot force somebody to do them, but I'm trying to engage with all these different agencies and individuals as best I can. I'm out every day visiting people. I am not one to sit in that office. I'm a very kind of OCD individual. I can't sit anywhere very long. That's why I was really good in the restaurant business. Yeah, and and of course, and that makes sense. I think what I'm getting at is just your familiarity um, and people's familiarity with you when it comes to individuals and households on the ground level. Uh, When we talk about people on the South End, people in 61605, 61603, Mm -hmm. people, would you say that you... Uh, what would you what would you say you've done in the last four years to, that allowed you to familiarize yourself with the daily lives and struggles of people living in those communities? Well, I've, I've engaged in at the East Bluff Community Center. That's kind of where I went to grade school when I was a kid. And I, it's kind of got a soft spot with me. We do a turkey drive every year. I engage at the Dream Center. I help down at the Friendship House. I, um, I do actually I'll be there Friday cooking lunch serving all the individuals as many as I up to 100 I hope we can serve I do that at the Dream Center I've worked at the Southside Mission I engage with um, as many individuals and groups as I can you know I don't my a lot of time I I've got some things that require me to be at my home a lot too at, at times but I just don't feel by putting your face out there I mean there's a lot that's done behind the scenes you know, most of the heavy lifting is done by people behind the scenes, not just the ones out taking photo ops. Now, that's not, you know, I don't, I don't believe that gets much accomplished except for your own self. Uh, I see somebody, I'll get back to Chris after this one. I see someone in the comment and, and by the way, if you guys got comments, definitely uh, questions or comments, drop them in the comments and we can definitely get to those. Uh, I know somebody in the comments talking about just, uh, the accessibility of the office or not knowing about what the office is or how they qualify and things like that. Okay. Uh, just a quick snapshot. How do people get a hold of you? How do people get a hold of the office? What is the process in, um, in, in getting in touch with you guys and, and seeking out those uh, assistance and resources? You know, we have a webpage. It's, it's uh, PeoriaTownship.com or .org. You go on our website. It has you can download an application. We just put that feature on there because during the pandemic, if people didn't want to get out, I thought, well, let's let them download an application. It gives you every criteria, what you need and what you don't need, the qualifications. Our website, we spent a lot of time upgrading that because everyone has a phone. You know, I mean, it's very accessible. All the information you need to qualify and the information you need about Township is on our webpage. Call us. You can call us at 674-8237. We're there every day, Monday through Friday. The phones are always answered. Um, we will. We we never. You know, we by state law we cannot. This is kind of off the track here, but 
by state mandate, we can never turn down a client. Even if we don't have the money to service them, we have to find the money by state mandate. We cannot turn someone down for general assistance as long as they meet the criteria. So we have never turned anyone down, um, you know, and we try, I try to make that as accessible as I can. Uh, our building is kind of hidden. That is, even if you take the bus down there, it is a hidden place. But all the information is on our website. Okay. Let, let me let me ask you this because the the members of the city council are, as you've dealt with for the last four years, also by statute the members of the town board, whether they live within the township boundaries or not. But uh, and and I want to want to get an assessment from you of how engaged those people are on township business on a, a regular basis. How often are you hearing from members of your town board outside of the monthly meeting? Well, I can say I probably heard for them more in the last two years than ever. Um, I get a lot. I've gotten several emails in this last month from council members, from people who are needing assistance and they don't know who to turn and they just send these big blank emails out and they, the trustees turn them over to me and we always respond to them, but um, the engagement with the council or the trustees, it isn't real involved because, you know, we aren't a policy writing session. All our policy is written out of Springfield. You know, the township policies and rules and regulation come out of Springfield. The trustees are, are honestly, by definition, they are just the auditors of the books. They don't write policy. They do. They can have a yay or nay say over uh, a few things, but even the building we bought, you could only, there, township law is such a unique law that, I don't know if you're aware of this, when we bought the building, we, you could only buy real estate in a township once a year. And it's at the annual town meeting. It's the only time that the township is allowed to buy real estate. And this is what's so beautiful about township government, because by law, Everybody who shows up at that meeting, if you're a registered voter, you have a vote. You can say yay or nay to the township buying that building. There weren't 11 voters who voted on that, buying us, us buying that building. There was over 50. So there were 50 citizens who could cast a vote. Their vote meant as much as anyone sitting around that horseshoe. Yeah. And besides, besides voting yay or nay, how many of them participated in that meeting, though? They What? The... the who? Yeah, how, how many, no, how, how many? How many of the the citizens spoke up? I I've sat in those those city council meetings, and and you tend not to get that wasn't who, a city council meeting. That was an annual town meeting. In the annual town meeting, everyone voted. Oh you know, yes, voted because they were all but, registered. But but did did they did they speak on the issue? Did they debate the issue? Or they couldn't. They weren't allowed to. Well, yeah, they did. They did. Yeah, they did. Now, you know. There was a passion on both sides of that. Um, mm -hmm. I don't understand why, what the what the argument was of us not buying it, but it was pretty spirited. I'm going to tell you, okay. it was a very spirited debate. I, I, I'm just making sure that there there actually was some some debate and discussion because oh, being at, at, at the yeah. at the monthly council council meetings, the double is the the town board meeting yeah. for the month. There there's rarely any rarely. citizen who speaks up on on town issues. You would have appreciated the annual town meeting. It was almost like a city council meeting, that intense. <laughs> that, that's, that's a treat to hear. And that's that. not a good thing. You know, I was not proud of that. Mm -hmm. It got a little out of control, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, 
you have to and and then you know you engage and you move on but i've got a great rapport with the the trustees you have to you have to work with these individuals whether you want to or not i i, I councilman moore is in the first district she's one of my she's a very big supporter of what we do i think councilman moore is if she had an issue with me and she felt I wasn't treating her constituents well, believe me, I'd hear from her. <laughs> Philosophically, and I, I know we we discussed this four years ago when, when you initially ran, but should the township exist as a separate entity rather than, than be an office out of City Hall and dissolve the, the elective township supervisor and the pay for the city council members who also serve on the town board. And, and I ask now philosophically, but also because we just saw in November the city of West Peoria and the township of West Peoria. Voters there voted to consolidate both those operations within the city of West Peoria because like here, it the vast majority of it minus the scrapyard, which was contiguous <laughs> to their boundaries, you have the entirety of Peoria Township within the city of Peoria. Why do they need to be two separate entities? I'm going to answer that by saying it's 100% unequivocally they should be left like they are. And here's why. They did a study about two years ago about consolidating. It would cost the city of Peoria $89,000 a year extra to run the township. You can't do away with the township general assistance programs. That's state mandated. Somebody has to do it. Peoria Township we have one of the highest caseloads in the state of Illinois. We rank up there with the Collar counties in Chicago, Rockford, Bloomington. Peoria's general assistance program is one of the highest in the state. Who's going to run that? Our city. And I am a, um, I, I believe in trade and all that, but if you were to take township employees, they are called at will workers. You know, when an at will worker, they're not unionized. Send them over to the city. You're going. They would be unionized workers, which I'm all for that. I'm very pro union. But the expense of that the, would go. That goes along with it. They did a study, and it would cost the city of Peoria eighty nine thousand dollars a year extra to run the township. Now, unless they did away with a lot of the staff, but who's going to handle the caseloads that we have? And I believe that there would services would really get rendered to those who need it the most. I think the chronic needy, those who we help. And we help about 120 people every month on the emergency side with water and Amarin and all kinds of utilities. Those people, I think, would go to the wayside. I, I want to ask you one more thing before I turn it back, and, and that's this. Is your staffing sufficient for the demand that you have? Yes, because I, when, before I came into this office, there was a third caseworker. That woman retired, and I said, you know what? I'll do it. I can roll up my sleeves and I can learn. I have to learn this whole job. We don't need another employee. Um, so the three, I have two caseworkers and a bookkeeper and she does the books for the whole entire township, the collector, the clerk, the assessor. She does all the books, the payroll, all that. And I have two caseworkers and we are fine. We are never bogged down. We handle our caseload because I think I inject a different philosophy of, I come from a working background. You know, you own a restaurant, you work. And I don't keep referring, I don't like to keep referring to that. It was, I owned that a long time ago, so I don't wanna keep referring back to that. But I think if you're willing to pitch in, your staff is only as strong as you are. And I think I've got a great strong staff. 
Okay. And just a reminder to everybody, again, if you have questions, get them in. We'll be getting to those shortly, uh, right after we get some, some more questions from Mark. So for the people that don't know, and, and I think, again, most people don't know this is why we did this uh, yeah. did this interview, because like they're like, what the heck is that? <laughs> With Township Supervisor, you mentioned uh, a, a piece of your job is, uh, is the real estate portion. Does that have anything to do with um, vacant buildings, vacant homes or anything like that? Or do you not deal with any of those? No, I'm not going to talk too much about the assessor because I am not an assessor by any means. But what the assessor does is he sets the assessed value of your real estate. That's his main job is to set the estimated uh, uh, evaluation, the, the estimated value of assessment on your land. So what you pay in real estate taxes every year what the value of your house that's kind of what his office does they do residential and both commercial and they have a they have a big job that's a lot of partials forty four thousand parcels that they oversee um so yeah and then, with um and, and again like i asked um uh in, in the last interview obviously township city you guys are separate chris just mentioned or asked how do you feel about consolidating the two and you definitely said no um is there anything, if uh, if anything, what what would you want to do, or what could you do, or what have you done to work alongside city government or those officials to kind of pull Peoria out of this out of the hole that it's in, just statewide and almost you know hitting national news on several occasions? Um, is there anything that you can do from your capacity to um, to work with city officials? You know, unfortunately, no. Um, we can just maintain the township. There's, I don't have any influence on the policy they write unless it deals, and, and they really, because they can't write policy on township government because that all comes out of Springfield. Um, we just, my goal with the trustees is just to have a good civil working relationship with them. So if there is something, and like buying this building, that was, it was a little uh, intense at times, but, you know, we, we have a good, even the ones who, I argued with at the end of the day, you, you know, everybody's good with it. They're all, they all, they're all good with it, but you just, we just try and be better human beings. You know, I think that's the main thing If we can all just try and be better human beings. Um, your opponent in this race uh, had the burden and the benefit of no political experience has no name at all. Right. Uh, you carry the burden and benefit of being in office and having a name. Yeah. And already being known uh, back in 2017, you're a Democratic primary opponent. Uh, you beat him out, Harvey Burnett, but he endorsed your Republican opponent, Dan Sullivan, citing that he was more qualified. Right. At that time, how did you take that? And looking back, how do you think you've done? Oh, man, that's, you know, water off the back. It's politics. You know, I, that's OK. I, I think I just I don't get bothered by that stuff. I just I'm focused on what I need to get done. Uh, the job at hand is helping individuals who are in dire need. And that's my main job. I don't the criticism. You own a restaurant, you criticize every day. You know, I, I can take that. And I think I'm doing I'll let the voters actually at the end of the day, the voters are the ones who are going to speak whether I do a good job or not. And I think you have to have a good balance of you. You have to have you have to be aware of the, the clients you serve and their needs. It's got to be one of the main things and you have to have an obligation to the individuals who fund this through real estate tax we are only funded through real estate tax dollars that is our only source of in, of revenue 
So I just, I think, you know, I kind of roundabout way to answer your question, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I'm all right with who I am. Is there any, is there anything that concerns you uh, as far as how the city is being run, given that you, uh, you guys are funded through uh, real estate uh, dollars, uh, obviously, the more people that own homes, the better off everybody is. Is there anything that bothers you about Peoria or the state that Peoria is in that whether you can fix it or not, that you just like to see improve from a, a city hall standpoint or from a township standpoint? Well, I'd like to see from a city standpoint that we all could just, you know, get try to work a little more equitable and be be more civil to one another and try to work on, on creating more jobs here and, and being a little more diverse and having more equity throughout this city. And we need to keep a focus on our real estate taxes too and make home ownership more available. You know, that's why I'm so proud of the fact that we've increased our services at the township by over 27% while low, this is the, the tax levy on the township side is the lowest it's been in 20 years. I don't know too many governing bodies who can lower their tax levy and increase their services by 27%. As far as increasing home ownership and just as you mentioned, equity and everything like that. Uh, how do you surprise we do that from a city standpoint? If I knew how to do that, I'd be running for mayor. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Why didn't you? What? <laughs> oh, man, uh, that, that's a real good question. It's about, uh, you know what? Because I want to finish what I'm doing here. I really enjoy this job. I think I'm good at this job. I want to complete this mission that I'm on with this new project. I really want to complete this. And six candidates would be a crowd. <laughs> um, we, uh, we do have a, a couple questions. Um, one comes from Myron. Um, he says, why is the budget getting smaller each year? The budget is getting smaller is because we have, when I took this office over, there was so much in cash reserves that I felt we needed to lower that. You need to have cash on hands because you are mandated to help individuals regardless how many people come in that office if they qualify. But I didn't feel we needed to have that much cash reserves. You cannot take those cash reserves out and just hand them out to people. That is against the state statutes. It's against the budgeting. It's not how fund balanced accounting works. So I figured we are gonna draw down on our reserves, which drew down on the budget. So, and that entail drew down on the tax levy but we never ever reduce services and we've always increased them. Every year I've been in here, we have increased services. We are at an all time high on the energy side. We're helping over 2000 people a year here at this office on the emergency and, side. And, and the, the energy side is- The emergency yeah. side, I'm sorry. Oh, the emergency, emergency side, okay. So. Uh, you, you, kinda, uh, you, you, you kinda spoke on this, but we have another question. Um, how can private citizens better understand and become more engaged in township programs? Come on down, talk to us, visit us, call us. I, my, my office is open, you know, come down. If you want to talk to us, see what's going on, call us up, check out our webpage. Um, you know, come to one of our town meetings. You know, once we get into this new building, we're going to have the luxury of having a little more space so we can have some gatherings. Hopefully the pandemic will loosen up. Um, even without the pandemic, the office we were in, we couldn't, it was just so small. You couldn't have people in that office, very many people. So we're going to have a lot more outreach programs and a lot more vis uh, engagement in this new building. Okay, Chris. Uh, no, I, I wanted to wanted to ask you just again, as, as we close, uh, you mentioned the emergency services that, that you're offering. Detail specifically what those are. That, that 
emergency services are versus some of the other <laughs> other services that you provide. Again, just because I, I think right. there's still a lot of disconnect it's, on what the township does. It is a little confusing, but by state statute, the general assistance side is the side that helps the chronic needy. And that is a side that if you are if you make less than two thousand dollars per year, that's part of the criteria per year. That's, you know, twelve hundred or one hundred and twenty dollars a month or something in that range. Um, that the general assistance is for those chronic needy who um, are on the threshold of homelessness. That's the general assistance state mandated township program. The other program we offer is what's called an emergency assistance program. It's a little easier. It lightens up the, the income is $2,000 a month, $2,500 a month for family. If you break that income, if you uh, qualify for that, you can help. We help with rental, a little bit of rental. We do a lot of energy assistance, water assistance. We have an eyeglass program. We have dental assistance programs. We had a yard mowing program. We had to where we would mow your lawn if you qualified. Uh, we had to disband that this year with the COVID. That was a real problem. We're looking to do that again, uh, and we're looking at doing some senior programs. We're helping. Uh, I'm, I'm currently working with a few seniors, trying to get them out of their homes into some assisted living. Uh, but the, the emergency program. And I've helped individuals who, like a, an individual, his apartment caught on fire and. They had nowhere to go, so we put them up at a hotel for, uh, we had four nights, them and I worked with them, and then the Red Cross gave them four nights. So the emergency side is a little looser and it's a little more broad range to get assistance with. It's not near as regimented as the general assistance side. Okay, and and if you if you have budget rollover, and, and this, this kind of goes to a, a question that, that we just got on the live as, as to where the money goes if it isn't being used, you know, budget got set, what happens to it? You know, if, if there's rollover, does it does it roll into the reserves then? Are you able to roll that into the next year? Or, or do you use every year all the money that, that's earmarked for general assistance and for emergency assistance? On the emergency side, since I've been in that office, we budgeted really good where we've used pretty much all that money up. On the general assistance side, um, we have had a little excess at times, and part of it was the vouchering system. You know, we enacted that new system about three years ago. So when there is excess money, it stays in there, and then I, I budget it down from there on the next year's budget. That money doesn't go back into the reserves. It, it stays, rolls into next year's budget, and I will add or deduct from that. Okay. I think that uh, that does it for us for questions that are in the live. So we're going to go to go to the lightning round with some uh -oh. more questions. All right. <laughs> lightning round. Okay. Hey, Tommy, man. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So lightning round is sponsored by McCall Law Offices located at 1225 North, North Street, where they focus on personal injury, family law, and criminal defense. You can call for a consultation at 309-948-5908. So what this is, is rapid fire questioning. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. You're going to say either or, or you're going to just answer the question head on. Are you ready? Go. I'm going to give you a minute and a half. Let's, let's get the volume back up. That is, All, right. Is silent. All right. Boom. Cubs or cards? White Sox. <laughs> favorite, favorite musician? Willie Nelson. Do grits take sugar or salt? Do what? 
Do grits take sugar or salt? salt? You, you say salt? Salt. Okay. Ford or Chevy? Ford. Old mall or new mall? Old mall. Spotted cow or Dairy Queen? Oh, <laughs> spotted cow, 100%. Uh, fair, um, uh, Blue Moon or Budweiser? Budweiser. Jordan or LeBron? MJ all day. Drums or flats with your chicken wings? Flats. Favorite local restaurant? All of them. Any local independently run restaurant. East Coast or West Coast? West Coast. Apple or Android? Android all day. Avani's or Jimmy John's? Avani's. NBA or NFL? NFL, go Colts. <laughs> favorite movie? Nat the Natural. Uh, favorite thing about Peoria? All its diverse people. What grade would you give yourself in your tenure as township supervisor? About an A minus. Who do you endorse for mayor? Chris Kiergaard. <laughs> hey, that, that, that's, the, that's the question, but that's the best answer I've heard. And you, and you made it with about, about, about five more seconds remaining. If I could say one thing, just I hate to get dwell on this budget thing, but if you want, if people look at the budget, our budget, if you want to look at our numbers, it's online on our website every day. Now, be remembered on one thing, though, folks, when you look at our budget and you look at it today and you say, boy, there's a lot of money. Our budget runs from April to March, not calendar year. It's very important that when people look at our budget, they look at and there, there may be money, but they have to remember our budget runs from April to March, not calendar year. All right. Please vote early, vote mail in, get the vote. I don't care who you vote for. Vote for Frank, though, but get out and vote, please. All right. Frank Abnauer running for Peoria Township Supervisor, challenged by Latrina Leary. Election is February 23rd, but early voting is open now through the 22nd. So get out there and vote either way. Thank you for being with us tonight. That works. That works. Thank you for being with us, Frank. Uh, and thank you for watching all of you out there. State Farm uh, is uh, sponsoring this uh, this broadcast. Uh, State Farm agent Aaron Kilgore. OK, I, I read it wrong. Look, let's start all over. I read it wrong. I messed it up. I messed it up. Um, but uh, State of Pure is sponsored by State Farm agent Aaron Kilgore, located at 3805 North Sterling Avenue where he specializes in car, home, and life insurance. Hope you got all three. And stay tuned for next week because we got a good one for you. We have Rita Ali and Sid um, Ruck Regal up next. So that is going to be the one. Special programming note for that, everybody. For all, all of you who are dedicated watchers, that is Monday night next week rather than Wednesday. So we'll see you sooner. Indeed, indeed. Frank, we appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Have a good night.